Welcome to Coffee with Colleen. You're going to be really pleased with our guest today. We've been spending a few minutes chatting and exchanging our backgrounds. Our guest today is Isolde Trachtenberg. She ditched her very exciting career at NASA as a master trainer in pursuit of even more thrilling career, freedom. Her goal is to help you supercharge yourself and your every employee to new heights of innovation and growth through her innovative Aim High framework. She helps her entrepreneurs and and business leader clients develop skills to be agile, innovative, and mindful individually and with their communities. I'm so pleased that you are here and I, there's so many directions we can go. I just don't know where to start. <laughs> oh no. No, no. That's a bad way to start a podcast. That doesn't Let's, bode well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is going to be a crash and burn. Uh, so basically, I there's so many things we talked about in the pre-interview, but I really want to kind of focus on your aim high framework where you talk about agility, innovation, and mindfulness. And a little bit later, I want to talk about some of your background and how that works into this. But tell us, just to start, just give us an overview of the framework. Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. This is such a pleasure. The aim, for, aim high framework is actually really simple. It's the process of building an agile mind that has room and time and space to be innovative. And mindfulness gives you the chance to act on those inspirations because you're more present and aware of them when they arrive. That's really all it is. I broke it down into agility and innovation and mindfulness because we can't, it, I think it gets hard to jump in with everything you have. Instead, we want to have a little bit of a breadcrumb trail, a little bit of a path to follow. And the first step is to be agile, is to be aware of what's going on. And there are skills that we can build to help us hone that so that we are present and flexible when inspiration strikes. So one of the first things that comes to my mind is we live in such a fast-paced society mm -hmm. that we don't slow down enough to listen and become mindful. And I think that's why mindfulness is such a big thing. So I, I think I'm going to start at the end uh, and, and say, okay, let's, let's start with mindfulness because I mm -hmm. have found for me personally, that's a, that's a huge thing. So how do you encourage people to become more mindful and how do they do that? What steps can they take? It's a great question. And it's funny because aim high is wonderful. MIA sounded a little bit missing in action-y for me, so that's why I didn't call it that, because mindfulness actually does come first. And the way it comes first is you build those skills. And it's it's so funny that you ask it this way, because to build mindfulness in a really fast-paced society, you have to go slowly. And so <laughs> we need to take time to slow down. And it doesn't have to be a long time. There's there's this attitude of, oh, if you're going to become mindful, you're going to have to spend an hour and a half every day sitting still and not doing anything. And that's just not true, especially for most of us. We're too busy to sit down for an hour and a half every day and go ohm. Not that I there's a problem with that, but at the same time, it doesn't have to take that long. It can be something that you do for five minutes every morning and five minutes every evening. And it's really simple. The simple step is to sit, be still, and focus on your breath. 
That's it. You don't have to do a lot in order to reap the benefits. And one of the things that I encourage all of my coaching clients to do is first thing in the morning before you put your feet, you know, on the floor, sit up in bed, tuck your pillow back behind you and just sit for five minutes. Let the day wash over you. Let the morning wash over you and pay attention to what you're thinking. Pay attention to what you're hearing and how the sheets feel on, on your skin. Everything like that can be something that increases your ability to be mindful and then there's a really simple and wonderful technique and if it's okay i'd love to share it with you please that, that navy seals use the same technique to relieve stress and you may have heard of it and it's wonderful because what it does is it allows you to to awaken the what they call the parasympathetic nervous system we have the sympathetic nervous system that's that fight flight or freeze you may have heard of that it's like oh danger's coming what do i do but the parasympathetic nervous system allows us to be in a space where we are building that awareness. And breath work is one of the best ways to do it. And it's a really simple, simple technique that takes literally a minute. You inhale for a count of four. You hold your breath for a count of four. You exhale for a count of four. And you hold your breath for a count of four. And you repeat that three times. And that's one minute. And you will notice a change between before you started and when you're done it changes something inside you but it also again helps you build that awareness because a you're building the skill of focusing on your breath and b you're taking a moment to be still and being still allows that parasympathetic nervous system instead of being worried about fight flight or freeze to just be and that is what mindfulness is at its core so this is something, actually, I have my girlfriend's husband is a SEAL, and he taught me this a couple of decades ago. And I awesome. had no idea what mindfulness was at the time. I just knew that this is something that would calm me down in a stressful situation, like getting, you know, looking in the rearview mirror and seeing blue lights, right? Mm. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you're sitting and you can't burn off that agitation, so it was the breathing. Um, so he taught it to me years ago before I even knew about mindfulness. But what is it about... Uh, like you say, the first thing in the morning or late at night or, you know, maybe in the middle of the day, is there a, a specific time? So we know first thing in the morning. Um, you know what? I'll get back to the specific time in a minute. I want to dig a little bit deeper into, because when I learned how to do this, this is something that was really powerful for me. Mm -hmm. So you're sitting up in bed and you're focusing on your breathing. My challenge when I started this was was controlling my thoughts Mm. Because I wasn't focusing on my breathing. I was thinking, um, is that, do I hear the coffee maker going? Oh, good. It started. Um, and then after I have coffee, I have to do this and then I have to make sure to do this. And then my mind goes crazy in all sorts of different mm. directions. Even though I may be doing breathing, one, two, three, four, holding it, one, two, three, four. My, my brain, how do you pull that back and, and say, okay, the sheets are touching my arms. Um, the, the, the ceiling fan is, touching the blowing air on my face. Oh, I didn't notice that earlier. Uh, how do you pull that back? Or do you just say, okay, I, I guess I can't do it this morning and walk away? Well, I encourage you never to walk away. That's for sure. And, and the thing is, being being still and allowing yourself to be does not mean having no thoughts, right? That's something that, that we tend to conflate, but it's not the case, right? We we do have thoughts. We're thinking machines. Our brains are going faster than any computer ever designed all the time. And so what we can do instead of going, oh, I have to control this because, of course, that raises the stress level instead of calming it down. 
allow what comes to come, but don't attach to it, right? So, so the thing is that if you think about, oh, do I hear the coffee maker? Say, yes, I do. And then let that thought go rather than going, oh, I hear the coffee maker. Oh, I thought about the coffee maker. Doggone it. I wish I hadn't thought about the coffee maker. <laughs> that, that defeats the purpose which is to allow yourself to simply be. We will think, we will always think, and that's okay. It's just how much attachment and value you place to the thought while you're breathing. I, you know, I have a cat walking on my head when I'm trying to do this half the time, so I have to notice, yes, the cat just walked across my head. That's okay. And then I move on rather than going, oh, doggone it, I just messed myself up and have to start over you don't you can simply allow it to flow through as if you are sitting and watching clouds float by you don't keep paying attention to the same cloud as it floats by you just let that cloud float by and you go you know that looks like a bunny rabbit and then you look at the next one and go oh that looks like a dragon and let them flow through your consciousness rather than attaching yeah, that's one of the things that I was, as a type A personality, I was beating myself up. I'm not doing it perfectly. There's thoughts in my head. So <laughs> I'm just so mad at myself, you know. Um, and there was certain tricks that I had to learn. And I think once people start practicing this and just doing it for a couple of minutes every morning, you'll find what works for you. And for me, it's the tip of my nose, you know, and I just have to focus on the tip of my nose, feel the cold, the room air going in my nose and then feel how it's warmer when it comes out. Um, so for me, that's, and some people use a mm -hmm. candle, some people use, you know, so I, I think it's once people start practicing it, they'll find that special trick that works for them. And it's individual for sure. Absolutely. You know, and, and one of the best tips I got was what you just said, because I've always been taught in mindfulness and meditation and you have to clear your mind and you, it never does. I can never, never. No. There's always something going on because we are rational thinking beings. Um, so once someone told me that, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not a failure. I'm a not human at all. being <laughs> and I Absolutely. have thoughts and it's okay. So you recommend morning, evening. Is there something special about certain times of the day that make it more effective? Well, for evening, uh, it's because it gives you a chance to sort of settle in before you go to sleep and that will improve your sleep. For morning, one of the things that I love is it is, like I just said, your brain is a thinking computer all the time and especially while you sleep one of the things that sleep does for you is it allows your brain to figure out things and solve problems it's beautiful it's like having a librarian who lives in your head because they're busy busily doing things and figuring things out for you while you're sleeping it's wonderful and yet it's solved all these problems it's figured all these things out it's made all these connections while you sleep but then you wake up and your conscious mind goes, oh, I'm still worried or, oh, I'm still stressed. So so that moment of stillness allows that transition between sleep and wakefulness to happen in a much more peaceful way. And one of the things that I recommend, again, to, to all my coaching clients is you don't just go, OK, I meditated. I'm up and out. Instead, I ask for an additional five minutes of basically a data dump. You, you write down on a piece of paper whatever's coming into your head. And it's just one piece of paper, one first thing after you meditate, just write down, these are the things that I thought about, these are the things that blah, 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 blah. Some of those will be, oh, I have to remember to do this because it came through my little cloud when I was, when I was breathing. And some of it will be, 
uh, things and ideas that came through from sleep into that wakeful state. So noting them down for yourself, and I have these little different kinds of doodles that you can put. Oh, this was an idea, and I put a little spiral. Oh, this was a to-do list. I put a little hashtag when I go through afterwards. And that way, all of the things my subconscious was trying to tell me from sleep into wakefulness are there because I, I became mindful and then wrote them down. And that's one of the things that helps me especially to keep things moving while at the same time staying pretty peaceful through that process. And helping to organize your thoughts to start the day. Absolutely. You know, instead Absolutely. of waking up frazzled or, you know, thinking about coffee. So, so do you well, do the same? Like, don't don't diss on my coffee. I was going to um, say daily. <laughs> what do you think this is? <laughs> um, you can put anything in that cup, by the way. <laughs> so I at, won't tell. I won't tell if you don't. Um, so at night, do you do the same type of thing? Do you say as you're lying in bed and you're you're unwinding? Then do you give your research librarian a task for sleep? Do you? Like go to bed with a task in mind. Absolutely, and and a couple of things. This uh, this little journal that I that I created uh, for myself. It's called Get Your Stuff Done. <laughs> it's very <laughs> it's like very that. simple. <laughs> and uh, and so at the end of the day, I write in the journal before I do my mindfulness practice, and I do my day's wins. What what did I win today? What did I accomplish? And I do a check in. Where am I right now? Because I think it's important for us to, to have that, that both the wins and where I am in the process there, something we can look at. And then I do a tomorrow I will and I write that down for myself. So it's not a to do list. Mm -hmm. It's more, uh, an intention. And I set that intention by writing it down and then I take it into my mindfulness practice and go, this is what I, my focus will be. And then I just let my subconscious do its thing because then I just breathe and then I go to sleep. It becomes a, a, a nice way to have that cycle keep happening again in a more stress free kind of way. I used to be a very stressed out person and it's not good for you. So no. I had to make changes. No. Stress is, I was watching a documentary the other day that a cow, when it's stressed, and stress to a cow can be as little as being separated from its herd. Mm. Uh, within hours, they can develop um, pneumonia and die. Wow. From the stress of just mm -hmm. being separated from their herd. So stress kills. You know, so that's sure. one of the things that I really got into mindfulness, you know, originally because again, type A personality, I'm constantly going, there had to be a way to regulate that. Sure. So, and I do the same thing at night. That's why I wondered is I ask and, and say, okay, this is my intention. This is what I, this is a problem I'm, I'm trying to solve. So I just turn it over to my research analyst overnight and just give it to my brain and, and let it work on it. Um, Absolutely. And I never, I never realized, I love what you said about transitioning from sleepfulness to wakefulness where those ideas can work their way in or work their way across that chasm. Sure. Mm -hmm. I love that. So now let's, so we've, we've got this mindfulness and we, we could go really deep into this, but I have, I do have a guest coming up in a few weeks that's, we're going <laughs> to dive into that. So awesome. Take it to the next step of, um, we'll go backwards. Go, how does that help innovation? 
Wow. So what's interesting about innovation is that so much of it is based in creativity. There, There's a wonderful Netflix documentary called The Art of Design that I recommend to everybody because it is high-level innovators talking about what they do. And the guy who started Instagram, for example, that's the episode I'm on right now, and art architects who are doing incredible things. And one of the things that they talk about is that creativity cannot be separated from anything. It has to be part of everything. And there's a scientist who said that you have to be creative in order to be a scientist because otherwise you'll have no new ideas. And I heard that and I went, yes, that's exactly it, right? So so how does all of this, how does mindfulness drive innovation? Well, imagine that state of sleep to wake, right, that we were just talking about with mindfulness. That state is your subconscious. My my inner librarian is Edna. That's her name. (laughs) And she looks curiously like Edna Mode from The Incredibles, if you know who she is. That's that's who I envision when I talk to her. Anyway, so I give her problems to solve. I give her ideas for everything from the next book I want to write to the next song I want to sing, whatever it is. I let her handle it. And then in the morning, I take whatever thoughts I have and I bring them in. And those thoughts are often creative in nature. Creativity is a way to spark all of that and innovation. I, the way I look at it is an innovator is a creative with a to-do list. And so because of that, if you are allowing that creative part of your brain, the, 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 the part that's, you know, here in the, in the, in the right hemisphere and the prefrontal cortex to actually be in the driver's seat, the more you will allow innovation to play in your life. And the access point is that mindfulness, because when the idea strikes, you don't just go, oh, I don't have time for it. Instead, you say, oh, there's something here. I need to think about this. I need to explore it. And that moment between when the idea strikes and when you verbalize it, that's the spark of creative genius, because the idea happens first. You don't even have words for it yet. And you have to be willing to let it get from the idea point through that empty space to when you put words to the idea. That applied is where all innovation comes from. You're trying to solve a problem as an innovator, but in order to realize that there's a problem, you have to be mindful to to see the problem, whatever that is. And then you have to be willing to act on it once you've had the idea. And so innovation comes from the intersection of both of those. It's kind of like the person who invented the washing machine. Why did she invent the washing machine? Because she was really tired of having to laundry by hand. Well, there you go, right? So she was solving a problem that the entire world that has access to washing machines is benefiting from. But she wanted to solve that problem because she herself, and notice it was a woman, she herself didn't want to keep having to do laundry by hand. And it saves time for everyone who's ever had a washing machine. It saves you incredible amounts of time. Where I grew up in the former Soviet Union, my first few years, laundry was a big basin and you scrubbed with your hands. That's how we did it. So when we first, when I first saw a washing machine, it was a hallelujah moment because, <laughs> because wow, from then, from now on, I wasn't going to have to do that anymore. I used to help my mom with the laundry. Didn't have to do that anymore. It 
it revolutionized how my mom spent her time and consequently how I spent my time. Mm -hmm. So that's a big deal. And that's what innovation allows us to do is it allows us to get to that place of freeing up time for all of the other cool things that we want to be doing. So what do you say to someone who says, but I'm not creative? I'm, I'm left brain. I'm, you know, I'm just not a creative person. I love that question. So I, cause boy, I work with NASA scientists, right? <laughs> and, and, I'm a scientist. And, I'm not creative. Yeah. Right. And, and it's so funny because here's, here's what's really interesting to me about that. Those, the flip phone, the first cell phones, the flip phones, uh, they were inspired by the Star Trek communicator, the person, <laughs> literally the Nokia flip phones. Were, yep. They were inspired by. So, so we needed to have someone creative think that up for Star Trek, but also we needed to have someone who was potentially arguably a very technologically focused person go, I know what we could do. We could make this in real life. That's creativity, my friends. So anyone who says to me they're not creative, first of all, I beg to differ. But second of all, what I would say is go back in time. Remember when you were three, four, five, six years old, seven, what did you used to do for fun? Did you make up stories? Did you bang on pots with a wooden spoon? Did you write? Did you play? Did you run? Did you build forts? What did you used to do? Because that's creative. And the seeds of, of your creative genius, whether or not you end up being a more, what they say, right brain focused or left brain focused person, I, I, I don't like those labels because I think they make us want to be one side or the other. But I think that the hemispheres for the for most of us work interlaced with one another. So when we're looking at that, we look at it from the perspective of the creative spark is there. We might just have to do a little bit of digging to find it. So even if you are the most technologically savvy engineering type person, in order to envision your next project, your next idea, that's the creative part of your brain at work. You just have to credit it with that. And it's interesting. I was uh, booked by uh, Spotify, their corporate headquarters for their big uh, annual sort of event for all of their people. And they said to me, we work with a bunch of engineers and programmers. We need you to talk to them about mindful creativity. So I did. And one of the things with mindful creativity is that these engineers hadn't thought about that they were being creative when they program because we think of a programming language as prescriptive. But when you're in that space and you're going, how do I envision it? How do I I imagine not just the user interface of something, but the user experience of something? That is a very creative process. So anybody who says to me, oh, I'm just left brained, I'm not creative, I would first ask them to investigate and discover where those spots in their life are, that they're already being incredibly creative, that they may not realize is a creative act. Right. And I think I like how you said go back to when you were a child, because somewhere along the line, and I can pinpoint the exact person, somewhere along the line, somebody said, you're, you're just, you're not creative, or you're not an artist, or you're not, somebody shut you down. And as a child, we hear those things as facts. Mm. And then we just label that. Uh, and we talked earlier about, you know, like my degrees are all in 
science. I've got a degree in, in chemistry and psychology and math, right? But I was also a musician, which is considered creative. But I read the notes. <laughs> <laughs> I played the notes that were presented before me, you know, and, um, you know, and I started with viola. So that was fine. Orchestral music, you write, you, you, that's very prescriptive. But then I went into saxophone and they put me in a jazz band and mm. said, go for it. Have at it. And I didn't know what to do. Mm. I, I said, teach me to be creative. And the same thing happened and didn't happen until I turned 50 and I went back to college and I got a degree in, in graphic design. And because I wanted to explore that creative side of my person in my brain. Mm -hmm. And my instructor said, I want you to create, instead of doing one logo, I want you to give me 100 different logos. Mm -hmm. I went, I can't do a hundred of these. <laughs> and she said, yes, you can. And so what, what she showed me was that was being creative. And mm -hmm. I never, so I had labeled creativity as something different. So I find now when I work with people, when they say I'm not creative, I'm like, oh yeah, you are. Trust Absolutely. me. You Absolutely. just don't think you are, you know? Yeah. And so I like how you pointed out with an engineer and the flip phone and in taking that to the next step and that innovation is all part of that creativity. So after you do this whole mindfulness, is, is this where some ideas start coming? Like new ideas? Do you, do they slip in or do you take that time when you're mindful to say, okay, now I'm just going to think about a new idea or what are my new ideas? Or does it just come to you and you, that's when you write it down? You get to a point, I think, where they start coming fast and furious. So at first, you might be frustrated a little because nothing's coming. I don't know. I'm, I'm facing a barren desert and deserts aren't barren. Uh, but, but that's, that's a, sorry. That's my, that's my NASA Earth Science Master Trainer persona coming out for a second. But, but you know, you're in that space and you, you might get frustrated. And the way I say it is stay the course because you may not realize it, but, but things are churning. And so when we get into that space of being, again, a, making room and flexibility to, to see those ideas, mm -hmm. often we discount them before they're even verbalized. So building that awareness is the first step to seeing those ideas when they come by. And then once you start seeing those ideas when they come by, that's when the agility comes from, is being agile and flexible enough to go, oh, I'm going to make room for this. I'm going to allow the space for this, whatever this idea is. And I'm going to dedicate resources to seeing if this has legs, seeing if it's going to go somewhere. Because we, there's a, again, I'm going to, first of all, I do need to say that I'm a violinist, so you and I have a lot in common. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I grew up playing the violin. But, but um, you know, when you look at music, for example, and you look at this idea of classical music, and yes, you, you play the dynamics, you play the markings, you play the notes, you do what the conductor says, and it doesn't feel creative. And yet there's creative expression even in how you crescendo, how you get louder or softer. And yet, when you started playing saxophone and I started playing fiddle instead of the violin, so different kind of oh. music, but with the same instrument, mm. I had the same trouble. And you have to allow yourself the freedom and the courage to experiment. And that's a lot of what this is, is that we must, we must, in order to be innovators, in order to, to solve these problems in our, in our lives and in our work, be willing to fail. And be willing to experiment and be willing to try. And my first attempts at, uh, writing, uh, at writing music that I was going to play or improvising when I was playing, I 
take my fiddle and I go to Ireland and I play in Irish music sessions and everything is improv there. Yeah. And go to the uh, pub. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You drink for free. If you bring an instrument, you drink for free. And I, <laughs> I, I, I don't really drink. So I was drinking a lot of water, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so, so the, the thing is the first few times complete and utter failures. And I had to deal with that. I had to deal with the fact that, yeah, I wasn't, successful like I was used to being as a violinist you know if you can play the piece you're good to go but as a fiddler it's a very different story and it we have to get to a place where we are allowed and even encouraged to fail Elon Musk says that all the time he himself says yeah I fail all the time it's okay why because a thousand failures get me gets me to that success and that's the point of this is that we give ourselves permission to experiment and try scientists do too i mean imagine a scientist who went well i th- i don't know if it's going to work so i might as well not try the whole point of the scientific method is to go i wonder if this would work how would i test that Ooh, let me build an experiment and then once i experiment and see if i support my my hypothesis or not can i repeat it is it repeatable and that's when you know it's real is not just the one fluke that may have worked, but is it repeatable over the long haul? You know this, you have a degree in chemistry. So, so it's interesting when we look at this, it's, it's a real shift away from what we think is the correct way of doing things, uh, you know, with, with air quotes intended. Air quotes, big time. Yeah. Exactly. And what is the best way for us to be present and innovative and creative? in our lives. And I think courage is the word you hit, courage. And Absolutely. we don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to look foolish in other people's eyes. We, you know, so that all comes back. And I, and I got to tell you, when I started doing my meditation and practicing mindfulness, and maybe it's part of being the age that I'm at, but I don't really care what people think anymore. Good for you. So it's like, yeah, whatever. I tried it. It didn't work. And then you, you get a couple of emails and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you try it, you know? So I go back to the Teddy Roosevelt quote. It's the people that are in the arena with you battling that matter, not the hecklers in the crowd. Right. So um, I'd rather be shoulder to shoulder bleeding with somebody than, you know, listen to hecklers. So sure. anyway, so that goes back to the whole the whole courage thing. So, um, and there was something else you said that I wanted to pick up on. And I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. So anyway, so moving forward to the agility. So we got mindfulness, innovation, and and then now you've talked about the agility. So working all these things together, do you think your journaling and writing things down physically is important? Or is it just to sit down and kind of go through in your head, okay, I've done this, this, and this? Well, for me, it's crucial. Uh, I think it's important for all of us because it's a way of seeing it. It's a way, you know, they say that, oh, your brain writing it down, your brain gets a little extra oomph. Mm-hmm. It's possible. I, I think the studies on that are, are out there and I have not read them fully. I could go to the NIH, I suppose, and figure that out. But the idea is physicalizing things, mm-hmm. seeing them tangibly helps them be more real. It helps them be more real inside your subconscious and your conscious mind, but also it helps you hold yourself accountable. That's a big part of this is how do we in this very busy life that most of us are leading, hold ourselves accountable to do the things we really want to do, because we don't always have time. And Mm -hmm. one of the ways to build time and space for it is to prioritize it. Well, how do you prioritize it? 
by making it tangible. How do you make it tangible? Write it down. There's a real nice flow to it that we can access if we start at the very beginning, which is allowing ourselves the courage to try in the first place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I have read the studies, but, <laughs> but <laughs> <Yay>. I also, <laughs> yay. <laughs> but I also know from my firsthand experience that there's a difference between typing it out on my phone, typing it out on a computer, or getting a pad of paper and a pen and writing it out by hand. And for me, it's the writing it out by hand that I have found really makes it stick. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's that I write a, you know, I type a hundred words a minute and I can't type that fast on my phone, but I can type on a computer at a hundred. But when you're writing it out by hand, it's a slower process. Absolutely. Maybe that's got something to do with it where it's you, you're helping thinking your brain think it through a little bit more and it, it's sure. connecting, you know, as you're, you're scrolling on a piece of paper. So. We've, I, like I said at the beginning, we always try to keep these to 20 minutes. We're already <laughs> over that. And I have like, I had like three or four more questions that I asked that are going to lead us down a bunny trail to another 20 minutes. So we'll save that for our VIPs. Excellent. Um, so gosh, Zolda, we could have gone so many different directions. And sure. I appreciate the depth of your answer, the clarity of your answers and the actual tangible benefit that people are going to walk away from this interview today to be actually able to apply something really powerful to their lives. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, Thank you for being here. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, of course, uh, hit the show notes and you can get links to Zolda's page and some of her things, as well as if you want to hear more from her, uh, of course, look into becoming a cappuccino and becoming one of our VIP members. Thanks for joining us this time and we'll see you next time. 